You're listening to Don's Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nick. And mate, the news we've been waiting for, it seems, for so long, Joe Danaher is back. Absolutely, mate. It's ripper to hear that he's uh, finally back in the side. So let's hope, uh, you know, maybe this game plan of bombing it into the forward line uh, might actually work this time because we'll have a decent forward down there. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, with him back and James Stewart has uh, looked a bit more comfortable the last couple of weeks and then you've got Jake Stringer playing his second game back. That forward line reads so much better when you read out names. Danaher, Stewart, Stringer, Mosquito, Waller. And a Snelling, you know, that sounds so much better than uh, what was being read out, you know, after that Collingwood game. Absolutely, mate. And then you've got blokes like Langford who can go down there. You know, it's it's just good to have a a forward line that could actually look uh, pretty good on the day. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Now, probably disappointingly, we see that uh, Draper is out uh, managed. And I presume that's because we play a Tuesday game after this one. So the club didn't want to play him basically two games within five days. Um, so I think that's the right decision. And obviously they'll want him against Nat Nui rather than you know McAvoy. That's the way I'd be thinking. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, you know, we've got to think long-term for players' development. And certainly a guy like Sam Draper, as we sort of commented previously, yeah, he's coming off an ACL, very significant injury, a long time out of footy. So you don't want to sort of rush him back. And, you know, I suppose like the experience we have with Joe Danaher, where we sort of made him play something like, you know, four games within, you know, sort of, I don't know, what it was like 20 days or something like that. Uh, it was just um, sort of ridiculous and obviously exacerbated the injury, uh, as we now have seen. Um, so... Yeah, absolutely the right call for mine as well, uh, for Sam Draper to sort of manage him out of this game, but bring, bring him back for the Tuesday game. Um, but yeah, obviously disappointing uh, with Francis uh, injured, like that hammy copped. Uh, and we see uh, Bell Chambers is out injured as well, but I wouldn't like I wouldn't have seen him come up for this game in any case. Like it's only sort of four four days since our last clash and Definitely, I think his body's at the stage at the moment where he does need those sort of longer breaks to get up for the next game. Probably just a, you know, and it's not a whack at the club, but it's like a. sometimes we get baffled at the uh, match selection, uh, especially like last week we elected to play uh, Bell Chambers and Draper, uh, knowing that we had these games in pretty quick succession. I'm really surprised we didn't hold over you know, for example, Bell Chambers for this game, uh, rather than trying to go with Draper and Bell Chambers last week. And, um, you know, we've now got Phillips uh, basically doing our number one ruck duties this week. Yeah, that's a, it's a good call, Jamie. You'd think, you know, McAvoy is a bit of a physical ruckman, uh, so Bell Chambers would probably suit up quite well against him. Um, you know, Phillips, you know, we'll, we'll see how he goes. Like, he's, he's more your sort of mobile... Um, Ruckman. Um, so look, I'm I'm actually hoping he he does really well. Uh, but you're right. You know, if we were hoping to win the this ruck contest, you'd think Tom Bell Chambers is the sort of our sort of better tap ruckman. Um, would be um, you know, the one we sort of go with. 
But you know, obviously they they played him played both Bell Chambers and Draper in the last game, so that sort of scuppered that idea from the start. So look, uh, as always, Jamie, our match selection committee can be quite baffling at times. Um, but you know, certainly the selected side we see today, uh, I'm actually sort of fairly happy with with the players we've got available. Um, interesting to see that McKenna didn't make the side. Uh, it looks like he didn't sort of get through that fitness test he had today. But um, yeah, that's uh, other than that, I think the the side we've got out there is fairly good. We're still testing a lot of young kids, uh, and that's always promising to see as well. Well, it's great to see Carl Hooker back as well. Um, usually he'd be the top news about the ins, but um, obviously Joe Danaher trumps him this week. But uh, yeah, Carl Hooker, he's been out of the side for quite a long time, and I'm really our side always reads better with him in the side. Absolutely, mate, and I'm sure Hurley will be absolutely wrapped to have his mate back. Uh, there's sort of two towers down there. Uh, you know, obviously Jordan Ridley's been doing a tower of work down there, but uh, you know, Hooker and Hurley together structure us up so well. So I think we'll really benefit from that, and hopefully get a bit more attack out of our half back. We've sort of been a bit stifled the last few weeks. Uh, Saad hasn't really been able to get off his bike, um, you know, as much as he has in previous times. Uh, and obviously, teams are now starting to really put focus on Jordan Ridley to shut down his uh, his kicking ability. So, you know, with our big timber down there, great backs in Hooker and Hurley, um, should sort of free him up. And I'm hoping Mason Redmond also comes with that competitive edge he sort of brought the last game because uh, I reckon he's a real player as well. And, uh, you know, he's, he's actually got a really good kick on him when he can use it. So, uh, yeah, it's looking... Uh, Fairly promising for mine. Yeah, well, one could argue this is probably our strongest side named all year. Um, you know, probably a ruck would probably prefer to have Draper there when you uh, were naming your best side. But I, I think, um, especially when you consider our backs and our forwards, um, yeah, I'd definitely consider it the best forward and back line we've named this year. Um, you know, consider, considering, you know, McKenna... Hasn't been playing off that half-back flank. Um, so, yeah, I think we should be excited about that. Uh, other exciting news during the week. We heard reports that um, uh, Ridley may be on the verge of signing a new four-year deal to keep him at uh, Tullamarine. Yeah, mate. Cal Toomey came out with the, uh, with the goss there, and he's usually bang on the money. So let's hope that four-year deal comes to fruition because... He's an absolute jet. We've got to lock this bloke in. Uh, certainly, defenders of that caliber don't uh, don't sort of fall off trees. Uh, so, it'd be really exciting if we can lock him in. And I'm hoping that sort of uh, signals that we are, um, you know, perhaps closing in on a number of other deals. I mean, you'd, you'd imagine as a player for the Essendon Football Club, um, you want. Uh, you want your, the best available side out there, and uh, certainly a lot of these blokes. You know, you don't. Uh, you grow up wanting to play premierships. Certainly, we've seen that with Dylan Shield, Dev Smith, who've come to the club, who are sort of saying that you know, um, I'm not satisfied until I'm sitting on the the podium there, and um, you know, by signing up a Ridley, hopefully other guys jump on board, 
uh, because we've got quite a few uh, out of contract at the end of the year. I mean, you look at Saad and, and guys like that, that will be really important for us to lock in. Uh, and perhaps, you know, we're sort of hearing reports that uh, Joe Danaher is, uh, you know, back in love with the club. Uh, I sort of heard that from Mark Stevens earlier on the day. And hopefully this is true as well, because look, if you can lock in a, a Danaher, Ridley, uh, and hopefully some of these other contract signings, that uh, is a massive positive step for the club. And, um, you know, may even sort of indicate positive signs for the players and their belief in the system they're developing, uh, whether we're seeing it as fans or not. Uh, but, I mean, internally, they'd, they'd be having those conversations for sure. So if they can lock those guys in um, and we can have a real tilt at, at things next year, uh, it could be a, a quite promising year, year to come. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Andy McGrath is the other one that we would love to sign up uh, ASAP. Uh He'd be a great get to, um, you know, sign on a long-term deal if possible. Um, other reports, mate, uh, that are going around is that the Bombers, uh, uh, I heard this through Will Snelling, um, he was asked by Kane Corns about uh, had a contract been offered to him because he's another out of contract at the moment. Uh, he said the club had been pretty much up front and said, no, um, no contracts have been offered at the moment. They're still waiting to find uh, uh, the salary cap for next year. So the Bombers are being cautious before uh, locking themselves into deals. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see for a lot of these signings because it sounds like the club's uh, really assessing to see how much uh, money is going to be left in that salary cap after make some of these key signings. So, um, you know... When we think that the season's probably a month away from finishing for us, um, yeah, we want to uh, make sure we lock in our best players and let's hope uh, Adrian Dodoro's uh, getting all those contracts ready and uh, we sign the players we want to keep and also keeping our eye around for um, good quality talent to join the Bombers. Absolutely, mate. Um, you know, I heard... Uh, you know, listen to the other podcasts like the Sash and uh, Lunchtime Catch Up, and they were sort of talking about like our defence is um, you know pretty strong, really. I mean, you know, even this year they've they've held up all season. Our forward line is questionable, um, but I mean, if you can add in a fit Joe Danaher, um, a fit Stewart, a fit Stringer, um, you know, it shapes us up so much better. Um, so really the, the area that remains a sort of development area, if you will, James, is, is that midfield and, um, you know, really we should be like, if we're serious about, um, wanting another, a tilt at it, because you look at guys like Hurley and Hooker, you know, they're, they're at the end of their careers, really. Um, Heppel, uh, you know, he's sort of 28, 29. Um, so he's still got a couple of years left in him. But, um, you know, certainly um, we want to make best use of these uh, great players when we can get them. Uh, and, you know, if you've got a, a really good spine, uh, you know, with like, say, a, a Danaher, a, a Langford, um, you know, all these guys that can really help you. If we can just 
had a couple of midfielders. Um, and I think the the big thing will be those um, re-signing the gun. So you're like, yeah, Saad, McGrath, uh, all these guys that, um, you know, are up for contract in the year. If we can um, get them locked in, um, you know, it would make sense for us to sort of, I guess, top up the list and have another tilt. Um, because, you know, obviously this year has, has been really disappointing. But what you wouldn't want to see is after getting... Stringer, Smith, Saad, um, to the club, you wouldn't want to see us then go, oh, okay, it didn't work, let's do a revamp, and we're going to trade out a bunch of players and rebuild. Uh, that'd be really disappointing for players like Shield Smith, um, who came seeking success, um, to then, you know, have been sold a, um, you know, something that, won't come to fruition, uh, but um, yeah, mate, it'll just be a, a wait and see kind of thing, and uh, let's let's hope it goes for the positive because certainly, uh, not only the players but certainly us fans, uh, Bomber fans, have been starved success for a long time. Oh, definitely, and of course, this year we have to take a first round selection uh, in the draft, so. Uh, with the size we've got to play left, it's looking like it'll be a top 10 draft pick, which we haven't had uh, for a little while because we've traded away our first round picks. So uh, to get some a, a really good quality uh, 18 or 19 year old kid who we can watch uh, develop will be great as well. So uh, we'll have to watch this space with Danaher, see if talks of him re-signing is true. If not, you would think we'd get something of value, uh, especially if we can keep him on the park for the rest of the year and he can uh, you know, put his value up and put a little bit more trust in his body uh, for other potential suitors and the Bombers if they want to keep him themselves. Remembering he's a restricted free agent, so we could um, match any offer and that would force a trade or, uh, depending on the contract length and the salary uh, it could be something that we could match and uh, keep him on our list ourselves but I think the Bombers would be more likely to match a bid offer uh, from the Swans for example um, forcing them to do a trade and remember Sydney have had a pretty bad year too so they're looking like having either pick you know two three or four and again, uh, you'd like you to get your hands on that as well. And that could complement the Bombers with two first round picks and two top 10 draft picks when you consider their own and Sydney. So um, if Danaher doesn't choose to stay, I feel the club's in a pretty good position to get some uh, good draft picks at least and also build within the team they already have. Mate, why don't we go through the side that's been named this week? Beautiful. Um, so summarise. Uh, so the outs are Francis and Draper both injured. Uh, sorry, Francis and Bell Chambers rather both injured and uh, Draper managed. And coming into the side are Andrew Phillips, Cale Hooker and Joe Danaher. Uh, so if I read out the side going from the back, we've got Marty Gleeson, Cale Hooker and Michael Hurley. Halfbacks of Jordan Ridley, Mason Redman and Adam Saad. Centres of Zach Merritt, Andrew McGrath, and Braden Ham. 
Half forward line of Dylan Shield, Kyle Langford, and Irving Mosquito. Full forwards of uh, James Stewart, Joe Danaher, and Anthony McDonald, Tip Woody, with the followers Andrew Phillips, Will Snelling, and Darcy Parrish. On the bench, we've got Devin Smith, Matt Guelphy, Dylan Clark, and Jake Stringer, with the emergencies of Brandon Zerk Thatcher, Mitchell Hibbard, Josh Begley, and Jacob Townsend. Yeah, that's a, as I said, much better side to read out. Probably when you read out those emergencies, mate, that probably tells you where our depth's at. A lot of those players are really, you know, not the ones that you would imagine would be our first four as an emergency. Um, and so there's still a number of good players out, but yeah, I'm much uh, happier with that side. Uh, why don't we follow with the Hawks side? Beauty, mate. So the outs for them are Ben Stratton, managed. Uh, Jarman Impey, injured. And Sean Burgoyne, managed. Uh, and into the side come Darren Minchington, Jack Gunston, and Jonathan Segler. So if I read from their back line, so you've got Blake Hardwick, Michael Hartley, and Tom Scully. So it's uh, sort of good to see Hearts get a game for them. Uh, halfbacks, you've got Will Day, Sam Frost, and Darren Minchington. Centres of James Cousins, Daniel Howe, Jack Scrimshaw. Half forward line of Jonathan Patton, Luke Bruce, and Chad Wingard. Full forwards of Liam Shield, Tim O'Brien, and Oliver Hanrahan. Uh, followers of Ben McAvoy, James Warple, and Tom Mitchell. On the bench, they've got uh, Chang Kuoth Jeff. Um, yeah, probably butchered that one, but uh, Jack Gunston, Connor Glass, and Jonathan Segler. With the emergencies of Damon Greaves, Dylan Moore, Jackson Ross, and Harry Morrison. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, mate, but I feel very confident when you read out the Hawks' name compared to ours, I think our side sounds much stronger. Uh, Obviously, that means nothing uh, if the team's named on paper, but, uh, yeah, I I like our chances against the Hawks' side, and let's face it, after five weeks of not getting a win, uh, it's time. Absolutely, mate. I mean, they've obviously still got some class around the the ground, you know, Chad Wingard on his day can uh, can turn it on its head. Luke Bruce is obviously a uh, super uh, forward there. Uh, Jonathan Patton's got du- good dukes there. Uh, so they do have good plays around the ground. Obviously, Ben McAvoy and Jonathan Segler are uh, sort of class tools there. And, uh, you know, we've seen James Warple and Tom Mitchell uh, can be sort of ball magnets. So we'll have to be on our game. But as you say... Uh, when you do look at that side, they're gettable, and I'm really hoping that we uh, come out all guns blazing and take this as an opportunity to uh, to get a win on the board. Well, I'm not joking. I, I think this might be our last chance for a win, um, apart from maybe the Melbourne game. But, you know, when you look at those next three games to follow this one, you got the Eagles, the Cats, and the Power. So... Yeah, we've got some really tough games ahead, so I'd like to see us uh, pull this one off at least. And, uh, you know, I think finals are out of the question at the moment, but it'd be nice to see some hope and to enjoy uh, a win because we haven't had that for some time. Absolutely, mate. And it's great to see Devin Smith playing his 150th game. Um, you know, he's he's had his injury troubles and, and stuff like that, so it's great to see him, um, you know, be able to sort of stay the course and and uh, play out a solid AFL career. So let's hope the boys get around him and uh, and lift for him on this occasion. Uh, 
to really give us promise for not only um, to end this season out, but uh, yeah, also going into next year to say, look, we're, we're building. Yeah, I think we've heard that so long. <laughs> <laughs> we've been building for a long time, mate. It's the 20-year mm. build. But um, no, um, in all seriousness, uh, it's great to see Devin play his 150th. Uh, you know, I think he found a little bit of form last week. Uh, yeah, he found the pill a fair bit. I think he got twenty-seven disposable, uh, sorry, disposals last week, and you know they played him a bit more half-back flank, um, which is a bit unusual. But he did quite well. He found the ball and uh, he used those little short kicks to hit up opponent. Uh, sorry, hit our hit our teammates up. Uh, you know, around the mid area of the ground. So I still think he does his most damaging work. Uh, when he does his, yeah, you know, when he's at his ferocious best uh, in his tackling and so forth around the midfield, but you know, he seems to be down on confidence. So I was glad that he seemed to regain some of that last week, and maybe that halfback flank spot is going to be his for a little while, just to build him up a bit. Yeah, well, look, I'd, I'd be totally happy with that if it gets his confidence back, uh, not only in his body but in his game style and. Uh, he's able to, you know, use that because he he does have a pretty good kick on him. Um, but I think you know through lack of confidence and uh, I suppose lack of form, uh, he hasn't really shown that to best effect. I mean, last week was a, a good step forward for him, but as you say, um, you know, I think this this role probably suited him to uh, you know get a bit more of the pill and um, yeah, look, hopefully it's a, a good stepping stone to then uh, you know jump up again and and play like. Uh, we sort of saw in 2018. Yeah, now, some of the Hawks matchups that we have to watch is obviously uh, Tom Mitchell. You know, he finds a lot of the footy. Now, we can see from last week, we pay no regard to the opposition's best player. So uh, I'll be watching that one pretty closely. I don't want him racking up too many possessions. Um, and uh, Matty Lloyd came out this week and basically said, you know, if you're playing Dylan Clark in your side and he's not playing as a tagger, that he basically shouldn't be in the side. And that's how um, Lloydie described it. And, you know, with his uh, kicking at times being, well, most of the times being a little bit skewed, um, you know, I, I can't tend to agree with Lloydie with that assessment. But, um, you know, I'm glad for Dylan's sake that he's getting a few more games here and, you know, we signed him on a two-year deal, so he's he's with us next year as well. So I think for the remainder of the year, he needs to get games into him. But I'd like to see him get a little bit more midfield minutes, whether that being a tag or at least relieving and getting some, um, you know, important midfield minutes for his learnings. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely heard that too many times over the years, mate. But um, look, um, with Dylan Clark, I... Um, I actually could see him playing on a Tom Mitchell. I think the the difference between like a Mitchell and Dustin Martin from last week is Martin's a powerful player. He's a burst player. Um, you know, when he hits his stride, I honestly don't think um, Clark could have could have matched him uh, for pace, let alone power. Um, so perhaps that was some of the thinking behind it in that. You know, while he might be able to limit some of his touches, um, I don't think we really had anyone to sort of go with him. Uh, whereas I could, I could see a Clark really trying to stifle Tom Mitchell's influence, 
and I think you're right. Um, we do we do need to uh, to play these guys if we're able to sort of find out are they up to the level, um, but also for their uh, for their development because as we've sort of noted many times throughout this year, there is no VFL competition. The scratch matches are in no way in comparison to a, a proper uh, sort of two side where you're playing full games of footy. So uh, if we are going to, uh, you know, work on the development of our younger players, um, they have to be playing AFL footy at the moment and we've got to back them in, see if they can work to the structures and see if they're they're up to AFL level um, because really this is the only way we're going to find out about them. Yeah, definitely. Now, who will play on Joe Danaher? Do you think it'll be Michael Hartley or do you think it might be... Sam Frost. Oh, I'd probably see a, a, a Frost uh, you know, going on him. I think Hartley will probably uh, take Stewart. But um, who knows, mate? Uh, could be... I, I just don't think Hearts um, would be able to sort of stay with a, a Danaher on the lead. Um, he's obviously very good uh, with his fists and he's got a beautiful leg... Uh, when coming out of the back line, uh, but I don't see him being able to stifle uh, Danaher's influence if he was up and going. Uh, but that's just how I sort of see it. What do you reckon, mate? Yeah, I'm thinking more Frost, just because Frost has got that real burst of acceleration uh, as a backman. He, and uh, you know, Joey will be looking to get the ball fairly early in the match, I imagine. Um, you know, first game back, he'll know all eyes are on him. So that'll be a lot of pressure on Joe Danaher just to get into the game. So I'm hoping that uh, Joe can get an early touch or two to calm the calm the nerves. And uh, I don't think any of us are going to critique him too badly if he struggles to find the ball in his first game back in 400 odd days <laughs> since his last game. So it's a long time ago. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see Joe get an early touch or two and. Maybe slot a goal. That would be great to watch as well. But, uh, yeah. Now, Zach Merritt's in fantastic form. Will the Hawks uh, put a tag on him, or do you think they'll go head-to-head with us? Um, I don't know if they'd put a, a tag, but they will probably um, sit blokes right on uh, our sort of tails there and make sure that whoever gets the footy out is doing it under pressure. You know, certainly, uh, I don't see Merritt being able to get uh, a lot of uh, ball just sort of easy. I think you know, perhaps a you know maybe a scrimshaw or someone might um, try to play a sort of a defensive role without being a tag on him. Um, and by that, I, I sort of mean like just limiting Merritt's influence, um, being in his way. Uh, so when Merritt gets the pill, he can't just stream straight through the pack. Um, he'll have to sort of go to the side. Um, so we'll sort of see how that all plays out. Um, but I guess for me, the one good thing to sort of see is I guess when you look at their, their midfield, yes, they've got some uh, some good guys who can find the pill, but they don't really have, um, you know, sort of real big-bodied mids that could um, stifle... Uh, the the influence of, of a shield. I think shield should have a good opportunity to get uh, get a bit more free this game. Hopefully, uh, 
be able to use his burst speed and get the ball going forward. And let's hope for some uh, some combos between Shield and Joe Danaher, mate. And I reckon that'll be absolute magic. Yeah, it will be. All right, mate. Well, should we have a break? And then uh, when we come back, we'll uh, go through our Remember When segment. You're listening to the Don's Cast and our regular segment of Remember When. Mate, which year are you taking us back to? 2017, mate. Oh, I couldn't go past the absolute belter of round one, 2017. How about yourself? Yeah, well, I'm a couple of years before yours, so I'm going back to round two of 2015. Beautiful. Well, I'll get proceedings going, mate. Um, so, look, 2017, the sanctions from the saga had meant that 12 of our listed players had been suspended for the entirety of the 2016 season. And with the court battles largely behind us, 2017 was a time for the players to return to the side and for the Essendon Football Club to rebuild after what had been a torrid few years. Sensing the need for unity, absolute legend Scotty or Scooter McNeese of the Lunchtime Catch-Up helped organise the march to the G for Essendon members to get behind the club and show their support. And we were there in droves, mate. Um, not only were there Essendon fans as far as the eyes could see, but club legends were there to throw their support behind the boys too. So, you know, there were blokes like Dustin Fletcher, Kevin Sheedy, Paul Salmon. Uh, there was even Nick Giannopoulos there uh, to support the club. And it was just fantastic to have that sort of sense of being in that crowd. Uh, and if, if you remember, James, I uh, took our nephew Noah there to see his first game of footy. And I'll tell you what, it's probably a game he won't soon forget. So look, as we open the game, the first thing I really remember was the roar of the crowd when Joe Watson got his first touch of the footy. That man shouldered a huge leadership burden throughout his years as captain of the Essendon Football Club, and he kept the boys together in their year away from the club. And it was just brilliant to hear the fans show their appreciation for him uh, in our our own way, rather. Now, Job kicked a beautiful pass to Zaharakis, and the ball was eventually kicked by James Kelly to Horacio Fantasia, who kicked his first of the match to open the scores. And there was a massive cheer from the crowd after so much build-up to the game. Our next goal came after Travis Collier kicked it to Hooker near the goal square, who uncharacteristically dropped the mark, but picked it up to kick the goal and have the fans on their feet once more. We got the third of the game too when Tipper took the ball out of the middle of the ground, handballing to Josh Green, who spotted up and opened Joe Danaher, who snapped it through, and the roar was enormous. Hawthorne steadied though after being awed early, and kicked the next two goals to draw us back to a seven-point lead, before Marty Gleeson kicked the ball to a contest where Fantasia was able to read the ball, which went over the top of the pack, and he kicked a goal to the roar of the crowd once more, and we finished the quarter 13 points up. The Hawks got the first of the second, but we kicked another when Travis Collier again kicked the ball to Hooker, who again dropped the mark, but mopped it up to kick it through for a goal, right in the goal square. The Hawks came back with a vengeance, though, and kicked the next three, and had a lot more shots on goal, which fortunately didn't go through. And after such a promising first quarter, we ended up the half, Eight points down, so it was five goals eight to us, to their six goals ten. Now, 
The Hawks got the first of the third two to stretch to the lead slightly before Zaharakis got to a loose ball in our forward 50 and jumped on it to quickly pass to Fantasia, who snapped it through beautifully around his body to kick his third of the match. Hawthorne kicked another though, but we weren't going away, and Goddard pinpointed a beautiful pass to McDonald Tip and Woody, who went back and passed a cheeky handball to Brent Stanton, who slotted the goal from outside 50 to keep us within striking distance. Once more, the Hawks got a goal, but when Stanton stabbed a pass to Joe Watson, the crowd roared in anticipation, hoping for a real champion's goal. But Watson passed it off to Stanton, who kicked it to a contest near the goal square, which was gobbled up by Fantasia, who slammed it on his boot to kick his fourth goal of the match, and had the crowd waving their scarves like mad. We got the next goal after Parrish kicked it to Zaharakis, who slotted it beautifully. Now, we were within two points, and when Joe Danaher kicked the ball, uh, or had the ball 70 metres out, anything was possible, but he kicked a long bomb to the advantage of Dyson Heppel, who marked it going back with a flight of the ball to the cheers of the crowd, before going back to kick the goal and have us in front once more. Joe Danaher then got a free kick with Josh Gibson all over him, and he kicked it through to have us 10 points up. We weren't done yet for the quarter though, and after a nice bit of play by young buck Kyle Langford, who did a spitting pirouette out of trouble, the ball made its way to Sean McKernan, who was playing his 50th, 50th game of AFL footy, who kicked it from just outside 50 on the run near the boundary to have the MCG absolutely pumping with energy from the Bomber, Bomber faithful. The Hawks pegged one back late to draw our lead back to only 10 points going into the last quarter, and it was anyone's game. As we opened the fourth, we just knew we were on. Watson had pumped the ball inside 50 to Hooker, who wasn't able to take the mark, but the ball spilled out the back, and Heppel pounced on it to kick through a ripper on a tight angle to have a 16 points up. We kicked another when Fantasia burst through the middle of the ground to pass it to Tipper, who had hit up uh, Kale Hooker near the goal square, who took a strong grab and snapped through his second. Then, when Brennan Goddard laced out a beautiful pass to Josh Green, who handballed it to a completely open Joe, uh, Joe Danaher, who strolled in to kick it through from 40 metres out, the roar was absolutely deafening. The Hawks got one back and were still threatening before Bombers skipper Dyson Heppel took a big grab just inside 50 to then go back and kick a real captain's goal, which nearly brought the house down. The Hawks got another, but their hopes were snuffed out when Tipper took a big mark inside 50 and again passed it to Brent Stanton, who ran in and kicked it through uh, to the roars of the fans and, mate, I reckon the stadium was just about shaking after that goal. We'd won the game in the end, 17 goals, 14, 116, to the Hawks, 12 goals, 19, 91. And as the siren sounded, it was one of those moments where you were high-fiving and hugging strangers after such an emotional build-up and victory, and it most definitely brought a tear to my eye. And you know the funny thing about that game, mate? After all the build-up, the roar of the crowd, the brilliant game we just witnessed, do you know what our nephew remembered from that game? That I bought him a meat pie at halftime. So, <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember from that game, James? Yeah, it was a magic moment to see the boys run onto the ground again after a year's absence. And, you know, um, those uh, players that were returning, 
you know, and I remember the walk across to the G and oh, it was just a swarm of people. There were some pictures uh, that were shared and those photos are just so mesmerising, you know, to watch that many people all wearing black and red marching their way to the G. And the feeling of, you know, upsetting the Hawks was just fantastic and, you know, the boys really put on a show for us that night. I imagine a lot of those players still have strong memories from that game. Absolutely. I mean, you can even, like, listening to the uh, podcast from Xavier and, and Hurdy and Watson, I remember Xavier talking about that game and, um, you know, saying that the, the boys really, um, really enjoyed, you know, seeing the fans um, everywhere and the support that they were sort of shown uh you know, through that march and um, throughout the like the match and everything, and I think yeah, just the just the whole atmosphere around that game was just electric. So um, yeah, take us through your game, Jane. Yeah, well, mine's from a couple of years earlier, back in two thousand and fifteen. So James Heard had returned to coach the club after the one year suspension, and the Dons had started the season with a disappointing loss against Sydney. Despite being up by 34 points against the Swans going into the last quarter of round one, before we watched the Swans pile on seven goals four to our zero. So uh, that really took the wind out of our sails, that loss, because you know when you think you're 34 points up at three-quarter time and you don't score a single point in the last and you watch the opposition run over you, uh, it looked like... We weren't very fit and would run our race uh, prior to three-quarter time. So the game against the Hawks had started a bit of a scrap and we were playing against the reigning premiers back then, so uh, Hawthorne were a very formidable side. Uh, we had a lead at first quarter, thanks to goals to Chappie and Carlisle, but we only led by five points. The second quarter was... A bit more promising, the Dons kicked the first five goals of the second quarter, but worryingly, the Hawks were able to get two goals in red time, and our lead of 34 points was cut to 22. And the result from last week uh, against the Swans, where we'd been absolutely run over the top of, was starting to spring to mind, and you wondered if the boys had enough energy to hold on, uh, despite only having a 22-point lead, at half time. The third quarter really gave the Dons fans a fright as we watched our lead get taken away until a late goal by Joe Danaher gave us the lead back going into the last quarter. So uh, the Hawks had taken that 22 point lead off us and uh, kicked four or five goals to our one at that stage and thankfully Joe Danaher kicked a late goal to give us the lead back, but we only led by about four points going into the last quarter. Again, those flashbacks were coming back to my mind, um, you know, remembering how the Swans had just dismantled us in the last quarter and I was hoping the reigning Premiers wouldn't do that to us again. The Hawks just totally overran us and uh, we looked out on our feet and they were up by 16 points. We were about five or six minutes left to play. The Dons scrapped the ball forward, and fortunately it landed in the hands of Jake Carlisle when he took 
uh, a bit of time, went back and kicked the goal, and the result was back to 10 points with about four or five minutes to go. So we still had a small chance. But the next three or four minutes, the ball was spent mainly along the wing and up the Hawks' forward line, and it looked like we'd let our chance pass. But fortunately, the ball came out of a loose... Um, uh, came out loose after being stuck in the Hawks' forward pocket, and we got a chain of handballs right through the centre of the ground. Uh, it was just fantastic to watch. It went end-to-end, and a chip kick was sent to Paul Chapman, who'd lost his footing. But fortunately, he uh, regained his footing, picked up the ball, turned and handballed to Travis Collier, who just burst in his uh, you know, usual way of taking a bounce and ran through and kicked that goal. And the lead was reduced to four points. But now there was only a minute 30 on the clock. So we still had to get another goal fairly quickly uh, to get that lead. The Dons got the clearance and they kicked it hurriedly to our forward 50. Collier again picked up a loose ball and he handballed quickly to defender turn forward Kale Hooker who turned and he kicked an amazing goal, just a snap. And mate, the way the crowd reacted to that was just fantastic and awesome. Like the feeling was just amazing because, you know, we were 16 points down with, you know, less than five or six minutes to go. And we got those goals, and when you think about it, we're 10 points down with less than two minutes to play. And we'd grab the lead back. But the game wasn't done, and amazingly, there was still one minute left on the clock. After a free kick to Cyril Rioli, uh, he quickly chipped it, and the ball was on the Hawks' half-forward flank. And they pumped the ball to the hot spot. The ball was punched by Michael Hurley, and it fell into the hands of Gunston who was so hot he had to quickly handball. And he gave it to the Hawks' first gamer, O'Rourke, and who's tried to snap the winning goal. But fortunately that was smothered. And the ball kind of um, got taken away, but it was more fell into the hands this time from the smother to Brad Hill. And my, one of the best things about that game, I implore anyone to, who wants to look up that on YouTube, Watch the tackle of Paddy Ambrose on Brad Hill. He basically buried him into the ground, and um, it was one of the best tackles I've ever seen. Just totally, you know, basically destroyed Brad Hill. And the Dons got the ball forward. But there was 15 seconds on the clock, and the ball was stuck between, uh, you know, the half-forward flank and the, and the wing for the Bombers. But the Hawks got everything right in that play, and... After the tap-out, the Hawks pumped the ball forward. And amazingly, uh, the time expired just before the... Um, I think it was... Uh, Bruce the Hawks Yeah, Bruce um, ran in and kicked the goal. So they would have won bar two or three seconds of play. And it was amazing how you watch that and think gee that was so close either way and it was just a great feeling to beat the Hawks and I still remember that game to this day so strongly and just the relief of uh, hearing that siren watching Bruce run into goal yeah mate it was absolute 
ripper. Um, and I still remember Marty Gleason's face. Uh, you know, he, he just looked so disappointed. I mean, after, you know, that was his man sort of running through. And, uh, you know, after the week before against the Swans where he'd been basically lifted up and pushed aside by Gary Rowan, who took the mark and kicked kicked it through for the Swans to get up. Um, yeah, he just looked absolutely distraught to have let his man run up to that ball. But as you say, very luckily, um, Siren went just in the nick of time and uh, we, <laughs> we got away with one. But um, yeah, it's a cracker of a match. And as you say, I reckon the curator's still trying to, uh, you know, dig a Bradley Hill-sized hole out of the MCG. And uh, yeah, absolute ripper of a match. Oh yeah, uh, Paddy Ambrose. Yeah, he was the, you know, basically he was digging a hole that day. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's a powerful man, and that was a powerful tackle. Uh okay, mate. Well, why don't we have another break, and we'll come back with our uh, predictions for next uh, for the game against the Hawks. And we've got an early game, mate. I think we're playing around four forty in the afternoon. So we'll have to get used to that. That's Absolutely. after the break. You're listening to Don's Cast, and as we wrap up the show, we do our match predictions. We still haven't got our trifecta, mate, but uh, let's try again. Who will kick the first goal for the Bombers? Look, mate, I'm going to go bold and go early. Joe Danaher to kick our first of the match and uh, bring the crowd to their feet, and uh, it'll be absolutely brilliant. Hopefully it's a, a big roost from Schulze. To, to get it down to him and uh, yeah I reckon all the boys would get around if he can kick out first how about you mate who are you backing in I'm going to go to last week's hero Irving Mosquito uh, I'd love to see him get a first goal of that match and uh, yeah I'm going to go with Irving so yeah we'll see how he goes um, in his second game next uh, one is who has the most possessions yeah, as I said before, James, I reckon Shields in for a big one. I think, um, you know, I I don't think the the Hawks have a a player that can sort of stick with him. Uh, he's just got that burst speed that I reckon will really challenge them. So let's hope we can get the ball out to Shield and um, let him do his business because I reckon he's up for a big one. How about yourself, mate? Oh, I can't go past Zach Merritt. He's been uh, fantastic form, and I see he's climbing up the ladder of the uh, coaches' votes. Uh, I think he's on 40 votes overall, so obviously he's uh, doing well in the AFL coaches' votes as well after a pretty slow start, we must say, and obviously he got rubbed out for that little uh, hit on uh, Silvani against Carlton. But, um, yeah, he's really in a purple patch and doing well, so I'll go with Zach Merritt again this week. Finally, mate, the most important thing, who wins and by how much? Look, for this week, mate, with the side we've got named, I'm going to back us in. I reckon we'll get it done by three goals. I think, you know, our forward line looks so much better uh, with a Danaher, um, a Stewart playing well, uh, Stringer back there again, and, uh, you know, excitement machines in, in Tipper and Mosquito. Uh, I reckon we can uh, get it done. How about yourself, mate? Yeah, I'm going the Dons, but 
Probably not by three goals because our largest win this year, I think, has been 15 points or something. So uh, I think I'll go uh, by maybe five points. So not a close game for the Bombers, but I think we can get the win. Well, mate, uh, we've got another game. It's less than 24 hours now because, as you said, we've got a early start. So 4.40 tomorrow. Go Bombers. Go Dons. <laughs>